Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is presented by MyBookie.ag. The MyBookie Turkey Day free play is back for Thanksgiving. That's right, up to $250 on a free bet on the Texans and the Lions for Thanksgiving is exclusively yours at MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is the new daily fantasy sports app built specifically around player props. Download the app in the App Store or the Google Play Store and use that promo code SGP for an instant deposit match up to $50. That's thrivefantasy.com, promo code SGP. Sign up and prop up today. We're also brought to you in part by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matchups pro and college football with just one catch we're only interested in underdogs who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset time to find out it's three dog thursday now here's your host tj reeves and here we go with the latest edition of our program for thanksgiving week uh gobble gobble wherever you are hopefully you've traveled safely you're practicing all the proper social distancing masking up if you're going out into public and again keep the thanksgiving feast limited to intimate uh, gatherings of family that have only been around each other let's be safe for thanksgiving with all the food and all the football and we're here to talk all about it off of a week where we gave you not one not two not three but four underdogs thank you very much indiana hoosiers as Brian Edwards and I will talk more in his segment coming up in a few moments. Uh, thank you also to the UCF Knights with the backdoor cover as well against Cincinnati and the Bearcats. Uh, and on to the NFL season. Thank you very much uh, for a couple of games there, including the Sunday night win for the Vegas Raiders, even though they had some COVID concerns uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs uh, there for last week. Uh, and, and again, we came up with four different uh, underdogs as part of of last week's Three Dog Thursday, we want to consider uh, some more of these for, for Thanksgiving Day. What about the three NFL games that are coming? What about all the Friday bevy of Black Friday games in college football? And I know there's already some several COVID postponements. And again, full disclosure, we're taping this show earlier in the week for Three Dog Thursday to be released before Thursday uh, for these different games. So uh, again, I'm, I'm anxious to bring you all of this uh, with the underdogs uh, for this week. But just understand, some of these COVID postponements are coming for the weekend a- after the show has been released here on uh, on Three Dog Thursday. But Brian Edwards is going to be coming up straight ahead, so we have much to talk about and discuss uh, here on the program. Uh, a, a reminder, too, that in our YouTube roundtable sa- uh, segment, it is a one-woman roundtable. Shannon Spake of Fox Sports will be here talking NFL. She worked the Cowboys' resurgent win over the Vikings. She'll be working the Vikings and Panthers again this week in Minnesota. Stays there with the Vikings for two weeks in a row. She'll have thoughts on the NFL and also thoughts on Thanksgiving as well. Shannon Spake in the middle segment. And a reminder, go find us on the YouTube roundtable of Three Dog Thursday each week. Different guests on the video roundtable. Go find us under Three Dog Thursday on YouTube. 
And, uh, and we look forward to seeing and talking with Shannon Spake about that. Reminder, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. Wherever you uh, get your podcast, subscribe to us and it comes automatically to you, like in this case, early for Thanksgiving. You don't have to seek it out through a social media link or through sportsgamblingpodcast.com, our partners in the SGPN network of shows. Uh, it'll come automatically to you if you're subscribed, in particular on Apple and Spotify. Rate us and review us. Several of you have been doing that. Keep doing that. More people will find us if you rate us and five-star uh, review us uh, with the rating system that they have on Apple Podcasts and Spotify in particular. All right, so before we get to Brian and get to all of the college underdogs uh, on the program, what about the Clemson controversy with Florida State that just won't die? Dabo Sweeney still making comments as we tape this podcast on Tuesday, still upset that the game was canceled next week. And look, no one is saying that health and safety and COVID-19 shouldn't be a concern. It is. But all these conferences are testing the players and the coaches constantly. And the controversy Saturday was right before the game where Clemson was saying, we want to test everybody improved. Nobody else has it other than this one player who may, may have a bogus positive test. And yet Florida State didn't want to play the game on Saturday or Saturday night or Sunday. Why didn't the ACC step in? That is my point. And I want Brian's feeling on this in a little bit here. Why didn't the conference say this is an important game for Clemson who hasn't played in a couple of weeks? They're a contender for the ACC title, if not the national title. They've been a perennial college football playoff team, championship game team, championship team. Uh, We want this game to be played here. Why did the conference not take the lead uh, in that instance? Uh, We're going to talk more about that as we go along. And there's so much to get to. Obviously, the uh, Indiana-Ohio State game from last week. What's going to happen with the Big Ten? Uh, The the first college football playoff rankings are out uh, now as well. Uh, Again, don't pay too much attention where Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson and Notre Dame and who's lurking behind, uh, like Cincinnati, BYU, uh, Florida, Texas A&M, maybe even Oklahoma, who we'll talk about a little bit later on. If you've only got the one loss right now, you still got a chance to play your way in in a Power 5 conference. And I'm going to have more with Brian in just a couple of minutes on Cincinnati and BYU need to look at playing each other Not this weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, but the following weekend uh, for Thanksgiving Day. Uh, Off of Thanksgiving uh, weekend, rather. Not Thanksgiving Day, but December 5th. They should look at playing each other on that Saturday because it would be a tremendous schedule boost for both both of them, even if they play the game uh, on a neutral field. And they may not be able to come to an agreement for Provo or Cincinnati, but go play it on a neutral field. It would behoove both of them. Uh, for that. So lots of college football, NFL coming up. Brian and I'll have NFL picks and underdogs. I'm going to tell you straight out the game of Sunday is in my backyard, Raymond James Stadium. Buccaneers off the tough Monday night loss to the Rams. I- I'm not going to make excuses for Tom Brady uh, playing poorly at times and throwing interceptions. The Rams were better. Brian and I'll talk about this more in the final segment at the end of the podcast. But don't count the Bucks out here in this matchup with the Chiefs at home. They know it's a huge moment for them to get to 8-4 and four on the season and be right in the throes of the NFC playoff chase. And I know the Chiefs pulled out the win over the Raiders, but it seems like right now Kansas City just plays a wild game against everybody. And I think the Bucs can, can hang with them in a shootout. Can the Buck defense be better right now? That's what's getting overlooked. Todd Bowles' defense giving up way too many easy pass yards uh, to Breeze and the Saints. And then on Monday night to Jared Goff, just over the middle, soft coverage, got to get back to the aggressive coverage, or or Mahomes is just going to destroy them with the passing. All I'm saying is don't give up 
on Tom Brady. I mean, I'm, I'm watching on the internet. I'm watching on TV. I'm watching my, my one of my favorite shows is to watch Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon mix it up. All the opinions. They're in the opinion business on PTI, the ESPN show. Pardon the interruption. They're shoveling dirt on Tom Brady like the season is over. Kids, the season is not over. And Brady had a stretch of games where he threw 17 touchdowns with only one interception. And, and two of those games were against the Packers and the Raiders, who are playoff teams. So he can regroup, they can regroup, and I believe they will regroup, and we'll have more in our NFL segment at the end of the show. All right, so lots to get to. Uh, one more quick comment. I hope the college basketball season gets rolling. It is my second favorite thing. In fact, you know what? College basketball is my favorite thing. I work for an NFL team, the Buccaneers, love college football, be working the Alabama-Auburn game this weekend, love the tradition and the rivalry of these rivalry games, Uh, Texas-Oklahoma, Alabama-Auburn, Michigan-Ohio State, UCLA-USC, on and on, Florida-Florida State in my state, on and on with the rivalry games. So I'm looking forward to Bama and Auburn and working that game on national radio on Compass Media Network with Tiki Barber, the former Virginia Cavalier, the former New York Giant. But look, the college football and the NFL are great, and the NFL is king on the ratings. Did you see that Indianapolis-Green Bay game had 25 million people watching a regular season game last Sunday? It's ridiculous. The Bucks rams game had like 16.5 million people watching Monday night. The NFL is king, I get it, but college basketball is probably my biggest and first sporting love. So... I don't know what's going to happen with all the COVID outbreaks, all the pre-conference tournaments they were trying to play. ESPN threw their hands up about three weeks ago and said, we're not going to be able to play all these tournament games in Orlando in the modified bubble we want to do. We can't make it work with the testing. I just hope we get some pre-conference games in, and then what are we going to do with the conference schedules in January and leading to March and March Madness and the Final Four, which looks like it will be in Indianapolis the home base of the NCAA and the Lucas Oil Stadium, and they've got several arenas they can use if they choose to play the whole NCAA tournament in Indianapolis and in Indiana. They can do that. But let's see what happens with college basketball. I'm just fearful, and i got a lot of colleagues that are working as play-by-play and analysts all over college basketball, uh, and it's a mayhem right now on who's working what game, who's able to play. It's crazy. Let's hope they can get going. We're going to get going now. Lots more football. The college variety uh, Brian Edwards straight ahead talking underdogs. Shannon Spake in the middle of the podcast talking NFL. Brian back to make NFL underdog predictions with me in the final segment. Let's get rolling on a Turkey Day edition of the show. Yes, indeed, we do. Welcome in our senior handicapper, MajorWager.com, Vegas Insider, also BrianEdwardsSports.com. He is the... Brian Edwards, happy Thanksgiving week. We are loaded up as Three Dog Thursday's debuting a little early to get ready with, as I like to say, plenty of food, plenty of football over the next few days. If you don't get enough of the food, the fixings, and the football, it's your own fault, audience. We're, we're doing our part to try to help you with the football and the picks, but you got to do well on your own uh, with the food. Are you ready for some consumption? I know I'm talking to you just after you were at the gym. I may go take a jog tonight. we gotta, we got to lower the caloric uh, intake and, and, uh, and all of the carbohydrates sure. before we get to Thursday and Friday and the weekend, right? Yes, I uh, am looking forward to consuming all of it on Thursday afternoon. Yeah. Um, 
I'm a sides guy for Thanksgiving. All in right. Case you're wondering. Give me the top two. That, I mean, I know, I know we're going to talk with Shannon Spake on the video roundtable about her top two, but give me your top two. What do you got to have on the sides with either the uh, bird or the ham? Uh, uh, dr- uh, stuffing, dressing, whatever people call it, with some gravy and hopefully some mashed potatoes and some nice peas. Mashed potatoes and peas. So you don't go big on like any of the green bean casserole, the cranberry. Oh, sure. Mac and cheese. Is mac and cheese on the Edwards table? Because it's usually not on the Reeves table for Thanksgiving, but a lot of people in the South do the mac and cheese. We don't don't do mac and cheese. Now, uh, we occasionally will have some cream corn. Not as much now that my dad is no longer with us. He used to make the cream corn from the heavens, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's pretty much the stuffing, mashed potatoes, peas, and lots of gravy on all that. So so Dad did not pass that genetically on to Brian on the cooking, on the recipe, on the how-to. That's disappointing, but maybe Damn, you'll no. come around to that later on yeah. in life. I'll joke with Shannon more about what I'm allowed to make on the YouTube roundtable. There's a tease about what I'm allowed to make for Thanksgiving uh, for the meal that is upcoming. All right, so we'll get to the food in a bit uh, with her we got lots of football to discuss with you, including college underdogs and predictions. Before we get into the picks, let's get to the controversy of last weekend. I touched on this just before you came on. Clemson, Dabo Sweeney, still not happy about the Florida State being a game uh, being postponed, if not outright canceled now. Doesn't look like they're going to be able to make it up. From last Saturday, and I, and I set the scene about it happening right before the game was played, he's still yapping about it days later. Brian, you sound off on, on I've already said a couple things, you sound off on, uh, on that whole situation and the cancellation, it looks like, of that Florida State-Clemson game. Well, you know, I just don't know what, Accurate, because I'm on uh, the Out of Bounds show with Quark and Kelly, William Quark and Bush, in Clemson every Thursday for the last several years, and I feel like the narrative uh, uh, is that, you know, that this this backup O-lineman was practicing while he was symptomatic, and I feel like that's what the narrative is nationally, but Quark has been tweeting all week that that is, like I'm reading from his tweet yesterday that the Mike Norvell misinformation campaign continues still claiming the clips and practice and travel to symptomatic player. These are lies that have been debunked. <laughs> right. The facts haven't changed. And I know Clemson offered a lot of alternatives. I think they were maybe going to play Sunday afternoon after they could get a whole round of testing in or, or whatnot. I don't really know who's telling the truth. So I don't know. Who is being the a-hole and who's not? So uh, well, I, I don't know. Let me step in again with what I just said before you came on. Where was John Swafford and the ACC? This is one of the top teams, one of the premier right. programs in America, arguably the premier program of his conference the last seven, eight years. And wh- why did they not step in to mediate, if not rule on this, and say to Florida State, here's what we're going to do. We're going to order a round of tests this morning, Saturday morning, and you be ready to play at 7 or 8 o'clock tonight because they're already there and we want this game to be played. If the rest of their team is COVID negative and if this player turns out to be COVID negative because he's not symptomatic on a subsequent test, then we're playing the game. I just... 
I, I don't understand where the lack of leadership was on that. You, you can't, to me, hide behind, and I know Swafford's the outgoing commissioner, but you can't hide behind, we as the we as the commissioner's office, we as the conference, will just leave it up to the schools because, again, of right. course, Florida State doesn't want to take a 40-point beat down, Brian, if it's up to them. Right. Yeah, and um, and don't think that a lot of this, you know, Norvell, we we worry about the, the safety <laughs> of our student athletes. Don't, don't think that's not pointed at the mamas, uh, that he's going to be on the couches uh, right. recruiting, that he cares more about player safety than Dabo. And there's just a lot of gamesmanship uh, going on. Uh, with, with all that, yeah, I don't know where Swafford was on the whole thing, and uh, it's just a mess. And, uh, you know, obviously Clemson's pissed because they need style points. They need – they have a one loss in what could really turn into – especially if North Carolina wins outright against Notre Dame this week. That's going to really set the stage for all kind of craziness, especially if A&M wins out especially if Alabama dominates everybody but then gets beat by Florida. I mean, we're going to have eight or nine teams thinking we be, we belong to be in, and it, and that kind of leads us to – I know we're going to hit on Cincy and uh, BYU whenever you want. Yeah, we're about to talk about that in a moment or two here. But, again, Clemson has not played since the Notre Dame loss and has now had a couple of weeks without a game. And so that's a further frustration on lack of reps and being sharp at the end of the year. So I get all of that. And nobody is saying, I've said this so many times, you've said it as well on with me, nobody's saying you should do reckless and dangerous things right now with the COVID outbreaks and the different programs. And if you've got multiple players that are symptomatic and multiple players and staff members combined that are symptomatic, of course. Pressing the pause button is the smart thing, and numerous games keep getting postponed the last couple of weeks. It's growing and growing. We get it. We understand it's a serious issue. But if you're only talking about a player and controversy over his test and whether he is or isn't symptomatic and and who else was he around and contact tracing and all of that, that's better and easier dealt with and explained than multiple players. So anyway on that. All right, let's get back to what's on the field. On Three Dog Thursday last week, bravo, we did say Indiana. You said you needed a little more information on the Hoosiers and their injury statuses. And, man, did they show a lot of heart and guts to hang in with Ohio State down 35-7 at Columbus. I know there were no fans. Here we go again, Brian, just as a, as a quick comment again. With the no fans thing in college football, the NFL, you know, a team gets down 35-7 at Columbus with the crowd roaring on them and everything. They get dejected. It's much easier when there's nobody there, obviously, to try to get back in the game. And Indiana did that. So we were, we were on to that game plus the 21. So we'll claim victory on that. Uh, for last week for Three Dog Thursday purposes. Also, I love UCF with Cincinnati, and thank you, Luke Luke Fickle and his staff for the uh, let's kneel on the ball and kill the clock and the backdoor cover for the uh, Golden Knights of UCF, getting four and a half and only losing by three when Cincinnati could have punched in a touchdown from the two-yard line but decided to run the clock out uh, instead. So we got a couple of underdogs last week. Just as a quick comment on the show, uh, as we get into some more underdogs here in a bit, we, we at least got a couple from last week. Yeah, and the question with Ohio State was, uh, you know, their their pass defense had not really been tested, and they, they lost a lot on that side of the uh, – or, you know, within the secondary, they're playing some young guys. And 
we we saw Pitt. I think he had 491 passing yards. Unreal. I'm pretty sure that's the exact number. And uh, you know what? I ended up not putting Indiana in my pick pack, but I, I I know they were down 21 at half. I don't know if it was 35 14. I forget, but I, I ended up at halftime. Um, I think I think they were plus ten, but they were plus three eighty on the money line, which I didn't do for much, but I did get a small dabble. So I had the plus twenty one for a plus three eighty return. Not mm-hmm. I didn't get nearly as aggressive with it as I should have, but um, yeah, Ohio State's run defense, or I'm sorry, pass defense appears vulnerable, and uh, Justin Fields. Uh, through as many interceptions last week as Kyle Trask has thrown all season long. Yeah, well, and they and they again maybe let off the gas a little bit or whatever, but I mean Indiana stopped them on the fourth down play, had the ball down seven, but then couldn't make something happen after being down by twenty eight. And Penix became the first quarterback ever. And I know the passing stats are much more prolific now in the last ten years, the last fifteen years. But the first quarterback ever to throw for 490 or more yards and five or more touchdowns in a game against Ohio State. They'd never had that happen before. So Indiana obviously hanging in uh, off of that game. And then back to Cincinnati real quick. A lot of talk with the initial college football playoff ranking out on Tuesday. And look, all the screaming, it always changes. But after losses and championship games that are coming in a couple of weeks, the, the rankings will get jumbled up. It's never the same as the first four teams that are out. But for Cincinnati and for BYU, I, I believe it's in both of their best interests. BYU undefeated uh, and, and now uh, about to have a bye week this weekend, not playing, it, it looks like. And more on that in a second. Cincinnati definitely with a bye weekend next weekend, December 5th, Saturday. I think it's in both of their interests to be playing uh, Brian, and find a way to make this work. What do you say? Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, I saw a quote from the BYU AD that they they're working on multiple scenarios uh, for December fifth. In other words, if 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 they can't work anything out with Cincinnati, and you know what, if there's no fans, they should do it on a neutral field. Now, where, where the hell's a neutral field? I don't know, Lincoln, Nebraska, or. Uh, Lawrence, Kansas, you know, what, I don't know what's available and whatnot, but it sounded like the BYU AD, you know, if since he didn't want to do it, that maybe, you know, he, he could, I mean, I, and I know there was talk about maybe Washington this week, but I'm talking right. about on that December 5th uh, date, you know, maybe there's a Pac-12 team or, or whatever, any, any. Well, here's the hesitation uh, and here was the hesitation with Washington. So the Apple cup game that was supposed to be played Friday, Washington, Washington state, was canceled right away on like Sunday night. They said they can't play this game because of multiple outbreaks for the Washington program and the Pac-12 protocols are are the most stringent. But the situation is that the Pac-12 and Larry Scott and their board and their schools have already agreed they could wait all the way until Thanksgiving of this week. And if there's more COVID outbreaks, and we don't know that at the time that Brian and I are taping, and another game is affected, they could jumble around and suddenly tell Washington, in this case, who's COVID healthy, you're playing someone else on 48 hours notice. And BYU did not want to go along with that. Tom Homo, the AD, uh, uh, Sataki, the, uh, the, the head coach, they didn't want to go along with, 
we've got to wait all the way till Thursday to figure out if we're playing you, and we may not be playing you because your conference may tell Washington you're playing someone else. So I get why they backed off of that. I'm no B. I don't live in Utah. You know this, Brian. We both live in Florida. I'm not. I'm not the Mormons. I'm not the. I'm not the Cougars. I don't have any allegiance to them. But I don't blame them for laying back and saying we're not taking that game right now. So any of the high and mighty criticism of oh well BYU ducked Washington and ducked the Pac-12. I understand what they're doing. Do you have a quick thought on that? Yeah, no, I totally understand. They don't want to be under a 48-hour uh, program, especially when they, you know, are probably feeling pretty confident they're going to do the Cincinnati thing on December 5th. I mean, we're not privy to what those conversations are with the ADs, but, I mean, again, I saw the quote from the BYU AD. I mean, he's, he's doing a lot of planning and <laughs> has multiple options for December 5th, clearly. And, and obviously, in this scenario, it has been almost impossible for a non-Power 5 to convince the committee we belong in the t- in the Final Four because they don't have an impressive enough game at the end of their schedule. And this is a crazy year with COVID-19 in 2020. This could foot the bill for Cincinnati or for BYU to have a very impressive, let's say, top 10 win at the very end of the year. It's a great dream matchup out of the, out of the odd and awful circumstance if they can make it happen. We'll see. We don't know that that's going to happen for next weekend, the following weekend, not this Thanksgiving weekend, if they can make it happen. Bearcats, again, that was uh, that was the only close game they've really played at the very end all year, and they won at UCF uh, for the first time in, in like four or five tries, uh, beating the Golden Knights uh, in that matchup. And again, BYU not playing uh, this weekend. All right. So let's get to the games. You've looked over Thursday and Friday at the time that we're taping with the Thanksgiving holidays, and of course Black Friday always has a bunch of games. Do any of the Friday games appeal to you? Because one does to me. Anything stand out for underdog purposes or no on Friday? Uh, negative for Friday. I'm looking so at I, I, it. Surprises me. You don't. You you love Sam Howell in the off season. Uh, North Carolina, right. I know, has a couple losses, but they're getting points with Notre Dame at home, Chapel Hill. I love this spot. I had North Carolina's opening game on the radio, on national radio with Tiki Barber on Compass Media, when they beat Syracuse, which seems like it was six months ago, but it was all the way back at the beginning of September. And they played much better in the second half of that game. I know they've taken a couple of losses, but Howell has been high-powered with the passing attack. Notre Dame has a couple of offensive linemen injured. I, I'm i looking at North Carolina for Friday getting points at home to maybe win that game outright. I believe they can win that game outright. So I'm I'm dipping the toe in post-Thanksgiving on Friday. Tar Heels uh, there for Three Dog Thursday getting the five points, sir. So I'm going for yeah, it. No, I don't blame. And you believed in them a bunch earlier this year, right, North Carolina? Oh, yeah. All summer I was saying North Carolina, or even when they released the adjusted ACC schedule, I said North Carolina is going to win this game outright. Uh, what has happened, though, is I've watched their defense play right. for eight or nine games, and their defense is absolute garbage. And <laughs> I really became pretty sold. When I saw the way Notre Dame, even with coughing up a couple of careless turnovers and, you know, and, and you know, Boston College getting out to the early lead, the way I saw them manhandle Boston College in an ultimate, you know, vintage letdown scenario one week after the win over Clemson, which also impressed me thoroughly, that kind of sold me that, man, this Notre Dame team is really good. And, and don't get me wrong, Carolina can outscore them, but they're going to have to, kind of like that, that wild shootout they had with Wake Forest 
uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Carolina can win this game, but they're going to have to force some turnovers because I believe Notre Dame can move the ball at will against them, but North Carolina is going to score a bunch too, so we'll see. Yep, and again, they gave up the 53 points in the – uh, 53 points in a win against Wake Forest. Also gave up 44 to Virginia. Gave up a bunch of points uh, in a couple of other games earlier this year. We'll see if North Carolina can slow them down. Of course, the argument can be made that uh, this is the best team outside of South Bend that Notre Dame has played all year. The other road games at Pitt, at Georgia Tech, at Boston College. Um, and so we'll just see how the uh, how the Irish respond. Currently undefeated, right in position to be in the college football playoff, but they've been here before and and taken and taken a beating uh, at the end of the year. So we'll see. Uh, it comes to mind that they got uh, beat down by the Miami Hurricanes back in the 2017 college football playoff scenario, and Miami took their place uh, just briefly in the top four. We'll see what happens there for Black Friday. All right, so let's move on to Saturday. Do you have an underdog right now that jumps out on Saturday for Three Dog Thursday purposes? Some interesting games that are on the docket. Is there one that stands out to you right now if we're looking ahead and having to project? I know we are. There could be cancellations. We keep saying that and keep qualifying that, Brian Edwards, from MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider, but is there one that stands out here? Uh, You know, I like how Vanderbilt's play, and they've covered three in a row, and they are uh, catching 16-and-a-half at Missouri. Now, both of these teams have been dealing with some COVID issues. Uh, Vanderbilt is going to get Keon Brooks back, though, and he had back-to-back 100-yard games before getting bruised ribs. Uh, a couple weeks ago against Kentucky, did not play against Florida, but he's gonna, they're going to get him back. But they lost Dimitri Moore, their leading tackler last year, who entered the transfer uh, portal today. But look, uh, Vandy's still winless, but they've covered three in a row. And this quarterback, Ken Seals, the true freshman, is getting better each week. And I think this kid's going to be really good. Uh, he is balling here these last uh, – I think he's been over 300 yards uh, three games in a row, if I'm not mistaken, against Mississippi State, Kentucky, and Florida. And um, I am also looking at uh, Maryland, uh, plus yep. the points to get it against Indiana, my, uh, plus 11.5. You know, Baby Tua has looked outstanding. Now, I don't recall if it was more Maryland with COVID. I think it was Maryland with COVID. Like, now, I've looked on Maryland's correct. injury report. Yes, correct. And, and it doesn't look – they're not, like, listing a bunch of players as iffy with the illness, but – so that just makes me think we have no idea on Maryland's numbers. Uh, but it is kind of a letdown scenario for Indiana. Uh, if Maryland is close to full force and getting double digits, I, I definitely lean Maryland there. So I'll be doing my due diligence and uh, trying to figure out, you know, what kind of numbers they're going to have for this game. But those are the two I'm looking at right now. Vandy plus 16 and a half at Missouri and Indiana plus 11 and a half or 12, or I'm sorry, Maryland plus 11 and a half or 12 at IU. And IU again could have the natural letdown after the emotional game with Ohio State. They're playing them back at home. Who can figure out the Big Ten? I mean, you've got winless Penn State at 0-5 against Michigan who had to go to triple overtime to beat a bad Rutgers team and come from 17 down to do it. Uh, Michigan just to survive and win a Big Ten game. And Michigan is the favorite by two, but that, uh, wow. I mean, that, that was supposed to be one of the top games to pay attention to in the Big Ten in the resumption here. And instead, it is it is discarded quickly than the carcass uh, of the bird on Thanksgiving right now, Penn State uh, and Michigan. Another moment or two talking college uh, football and possible uh, underdogs. I was looking at a couple of different ones 
uh, for Saturday. And again, there's a bevy. There's a full slate of games. And bear in mind, again, folks, there could be COVID postponements as, again, we're putting the show out uh, even a day earlier here with the Thanksgiving holiday. You may know that one of the games we're talking about got postponed for right now. Brian and I are operating under the assumption. Does anybody dare take Auburn? And the 25, the 24 and a half or 25 at Alabama, I will have the privilege of working the Iron Bowl. I cannot wait to be in Tuscaloosa National Radio again. Tiki Barber and I will have the call 3.30 Eastern time all over the country on Compass Media Networks. My first taste of the Iron Bowl has Alabama nearly a five, uh, a four touchdown favorite uh, against Auburn. But you, you've got a couple of numbers. Alabama's had a couple of large lines in the Iron Bowl before here and has covered them recently, right? Yeah, the year that uh, Chiswick uh, got fired, um, Alabama won forty nine to nothing, and uh, as I'm getting to my covered Alabama like a thirty like a thirty point line right in that one and covered it easily, something yes, like that. They did, in fact. It, yeah, no, here it is. It's uh, they were minus thirty four wow. and won forty nine to nothing, and even two years ago, two thousand eighteen. Uh, they were 26 and covered in a 52-21 to 21 win. So they have had numbers this big. Look, if Tank Bigsby wasn't – he's questionable. Uh, I believe it's a hip pointer. And Gus, as we're coming to you on Tuesday, uh, as TJ said, uh, Gus reiterated today that he's questionable. You know, if Tank was 100%, I might give some thought to Auburn. But, look, nobody's looking to – this Bama machine, but I do like how Auburn is playing, and I give them a chance to hang around for a while. Uh, but Bo Nix is a different quarterback on the road, uh, and um, so look, I, I, I'm looking the over on that one, 62, 62 and a half right now. I think that's going to be the play. And Auburn has played much better since the South Carolina loss, where Nix threw three interceptions in that game. They've got wins over Ole Miss, over LSU. And over Tennessee last week, of course, the big interception return switched that whole game around uh, when Smoke Monday, what a great name, one of the top names in college football maybe in the last 10 years, Smoke Monday took it 103 yards the other way for a pick six backbreaker on Tennessee um, in that win. They're going to need it all, though, against Alabama, who just annihilated Kentucky last week. Um, they are devastating on offense. The defense has played much better for Alabama. It will not be easy for Auburn. And plus, double whammo here. They beat the Tide a year ago. So this is angry revenge. Thus saith Saban of the Crimson Tide. I think it's probably wrong place, wrong time for for Auburn to just get smoked. But we don't. Speaking of Smoke Monday, to get smoked. But we don't know. It's a rivalry game. Whether you're talking about Oregon, Oregon State, who are who are slated to play Friday. Uh, here in the state of Florida, it's UCF and uh, and USF. The, the the team that's bad is never supposed to hang in, but sometimes they do in these uh, in these rivalry games. And let's see if Auburn will be that. By the way, speaking of the over total, you did have one other game, and it, it involves the Gators, who you like anyway. You're a Gator through and through. You're, you're looking at the over total as well for their matchup with Kentucky. Yep, uh, over 61 to 61 and a half. Kyle Pitts will be back this week, and that is huge for the Gators. And, um, look, Kentucky got annihilated last week, but if you watch the game, they had first and goal three times in the first half against Alabama. They made a field goal, and they uh, missed a field goal, and then they had one where the, the snapper just snapped it over the holder's head, and then Alabama got the ball at, like, midfield. 
So that could have been a lot different of a game, and then it got away, obviously, by a lot in the second half. But in other words, Kentucky's offense was really good in the first half last week, and uh, Florida's defense is still struggling mightily, and they get pits back, so Florida's going to score a ton. And Kentucky has got some injuries uh, on their defense as well. So, uh, yeah, I like that over. All right, so take a look at that for noon there on Saturday in the SEC. Again, a bevy of college games throughout the weekend. Let's hope that most of them end up getting uh, played here. That's always been the hope. The Cincinnati Temple game, Cincinnati should roll in that one in Philadelphia. That's later in the afternoon. Um, And I'm looking over Clemson also later in the afternoon uh, as well, hosting Pitt on Saturday afternoon. Will there be any upsets? We shall wait and see. We're trying to navigate through them. West Virginia might be very interesting Saturday night on uh, ABC off the bye week, getting 11 points with Oklahoma off the emotional win, having to go on the road. I'm not going to take them, Brian, but real quick, Mountaineers plus 11 might be tasty against Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, they're undefeated at home this year, and uh, they might be undefeated against the spread, too. If not, it's just one non-covered. I, and I would normally be interested in that game, but Oklahoma has really turned it on here the last three or four weeks, and so I'm just not looking to fade them. But, I, yeah, uh, if if, um, if Rattler commits a few turnovers, uh, Morgantown is not a fun place to play. Uh, especially, I'm sure it'll be very cold up there. It'll be a little cold. They will have some fans, I think, socially distanced at that game as well. And the Sooners still holding out hope that they somehow, some way, win the Big 12 and could find their way into the playoff. Not likely, but at least a big-time bowl game. Uh, that's what's on the line for them. We shall see. Brian, stand by. More on the way with you talking NFL later in the show. Straight ahead, our YouTube roundtable, Shannon Spake of Fox Sports will be with me talking NFL in specific and Thanksgiving and more as we rock along. All right, it is Thanksgiving week. The holiday is here, and whether you're having turducken and mashed potatoes, whether you're going with the ham, with the stuffing, the green bean casserole, all the different food, we've got something that'll go just along with all of your dishes. It's the My Bookie Turkey Day free play It's MyBookie's third annual version of this Turkey Day contest. So it is specifically for Thursday, depending on when you're hearing us. It's your chance to bet up to $250 risk-free on a Thanksgiving Day game. The Turkey Day free play is no risk. All gravy wager on the full game spread. Pick the right team and you win. If your team is upset and you bet up to $250, it's refunded before the next afternoon game. All of you new players get your first deposit matched up to $1,000. Spend $100, get matched $100. Spend $500, get matched $500, all the way up to $1,000, and add more excitement to what's going on. Again, check it all out at mybookie.ag, including the Turkey Day free play that is going on. Use our promo code SGP for that deposit bonus match. You bet, you win, you get paid all Turkey Day weekend long. For the NFL, for college, for everything happening with MyBookie.ag. And we're also brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. And with Thrive, you eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. And in the NFL, you choose 10 out of the 20 available players to build up in your lineup 
And again, uh, you prop up with Thrive Fantasy. And Thrive has given out over $60,000 in guaranteed prizes every week and has awarded over $2 million now in cash prizes for the uh, college football and NFL seasons all year long. So use our promo code SGP when you sign up and get your chance to win. And I've got a couple of free uh, advice picks for this weekend uh, for Thanksgiving week and weekend. Uh, I like best coming on the weekend Sunday, depending on when you're hearing us. What will Justin Herbert do uh, in Buffalo against the Bills? He's under over his 24.5 on completions on the Thrive Fantasy app. Are you taking that under or over? We're going to talk more with Brian Edwards, our senior handicapper from MajorWager.com, about this game. It's going to be cold weather. It's at Buffalo. I'm tending to go under on those number of completions. Meanwhile, Las Vegas comes cross-country in an early game, a 10 a.m. Pacific time start with Atlanta on their body clock. Derek Carr looking to feast, speaking of Thanksgiving on Atlanta's defense. The under over is one and a half touchdowns. I'm going over for that for Carr and the Raiders trying to bounce back off the loss to Kansas City. And speaking of bouncing back, give me Tom Brady to go over 277 and a half yards against the Chiefs. I know this game will be a shootout. Mahomes will have his yards. Brady will get his yards as well. Give me over for Tom Brady on the 277 and a half yards. This is what you do with Thrive Fantasy. Go to thrivefantasy.com to find out more about the rules and regulations. Download the app through the Apple Store, the Google Play Store. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy and our promo code SGP. And if you've ever thought of owning your own sports book but you didn't know how, Ace Per Head is here to help you start it up. They'll provide you with an all-inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated up to the second and wagers graded immediately. They've got top-notch customer service going 24-7, some of the sharpest lines in the industry, and plus... Ace Per Head also has live betting and a great mobile experience. You can get started today. Ace is offering six weeks free, by the way. Go to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP to find out more. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. Yes, here we are back in a gobble-gobble turkey day edition of the YouTube Roundtable. And who better to help me out than from all things Fox Sports, it seems like. Not just the NFL on Fox, but the NASCAR coverage with the Race Hub and much more. Shannon Spake is back with me here on the Roundtable. And again, if you're only hearing us on the audio version of the podcast, come find us on the YouTube page. How are you? Good to have you. Happy Thanksgiving week. Yeah, with that whole setup, I thought you were going to say that I was perfect because I'm a turkey. Like <laughs> you said, gobble, <laughs> gobble, and who better to uh, to be here? Uh, things are going great. You know, we're rolling along. I, I'm so excited that the that the NFL season has has made it to this point. We're continuing uh, to roll along. It's been pretty exciting. Obviously, very different for all of us this season, but uh, we're doing it, and that's the most important thing. Amen. And uh, we're coming to you right now as uh, the time that Shannon and I are taping right off the Monday night game where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, oh, my Buccaneers, Shannon, um, beaten by the L.A. Rams. Give the Rams credit. They get the job done. So let's jump right in with that. Uh, Obviously, I can be considered biased. What did you think as we show the audience here on the YouTube roundtable? Tom Brady, there's the expression after the second of two second half interceptions. Uh, I'm still shaking my head 
that they didn't go down and at least get a field goal, if not a touchdown here a couple of days later, uh, that, that the Bucs didn't get that win. The Rams do get the win. The Bucs now one and three in prime time. Give me some insight from a distance on what we just saw Monday night. Very un-Tom Brady-like, right? But, but, huge but. I mean, it's still Tom Brady. And any, I mean, this is his time of year. It, it's, it, it ain't over is what I'm saying <laughs> in no way. Hey, listen, if, if you're going to give me one quarterback out of any, I mean, you got to, until Tom gets flat out, like until we see it over, I'm not going to believe it. It was the same thing with, um, with Jimmy Johnson, seven time champion, Jimmy Johnson in NASCAR. And we saw something like, I'm not saying that this is happening with, with Tom Brady, but when Jimmy started to struggle and he started to race in the 20th position, in the 15th position, in the 30th position, and he didn't know how to race back there because he had never raced back there. So it wasn't necessarily sometimes uh, Jimmy's doing it, it was the variables around Jimmy and the things around the race. And, and possibly that's what's going on here with Tom Brady. It's a lot a, a lot of newness uh, for for that for him uh, down there, and, and a, not, a lot of newness for him to adapt to. But again, it's Tom Brady, and until he doesn't do what Tom Brady does, um, obviously, the, what we saw Monday night, I think, is just. Um, I mean, we've seen it a couple of times, so I don't know. <laughs> I think just like everybody, right? You're like, what's going on? What's going on? Because it is Tom Brady, and you expect you expect him with the ball in his hand with a minute left to be able to go down the field and score a touchdown. Uh, but I don't think it's over for him in no way, shape, or form. I think we're going to see him get back to his form again. I would agree. It's not to write him off. It's just a concern. Yeah. He's 43 years old, 47 times he had had a game-winning drive before Monday night when he didn't have the game-winning drive. So it's bigger news when it doesn't happen. Listen, when that so, ball goes in Tom Brady's hands, like you said, I mean, you're like, oh, oh boy, here it goes. I mean, we've seen it over and over and over and over again. So, yeah, certainly on Tom Brady-like. All right, and so this weekend, the Buccaneers and the Chiefs, oh, goody, in a, in a humongous game. The World Champion Chiefs come in for the first of uh, first time in eight years, only eight years that we get to have an AFC-NFC matchup uh, at, the, at the different team sites. So that'll be something for Sunday. That's looking more ahead, obviously, this weekend. I'm going to look back for a second with Shannon Spake because you worked the Cowboys-Vikings game. And, again, we're showing the audience this, again, on the YouTube page. Here she is talking with Dalvin Cook. What a, a fantastic season, uh, fully back from a, a torn ACL in his knee back, what, a couple of seasons ago. Looks like the Dalvin Cook that we saw at Florida State. Looks like the Dalvin Cook that everybody expected. Okay, you were around the Vikings with the Cowboys game. You obviously talked with him. We're seeing that on the screen right now. What are your impressions, having been around Minnesota, been around Cook? Well, I love Dalvin Cook, first of all. I've covered him a lot, and I, uh, I just think he's such a cool – cool guy, uh, very low key, uh, just awesome. I I've sat with him before while he's stretching, getting ready for a game and just spent, you know, five or 10 minutes talking to him. And I just think he's, he's such a cool guy. Uh, I think Dallas did a really good job of stopping him of, of, they knew where their, their toast is buttered or their bread is buttered. And, um, and they, they did a good job of stopping Dalvin. Uh, I, I don't think that the Minnesota Vikings defense did a great job this past weekend. Uh, the, the, the score was way too high for, for them. I think Dallas did a really, really good job. They came out. They did what they had to do defensively. They did what they had to do offensively. And uh, here, here are the boys, right, the Cowboys. And the fact that they're still in it because that division is so insanely – 
Um, <laughs> I mean, two, three wins get you in at this point, right? But uh, yeah, look, I mean, it's you had Justin Jefferson who made a rookie mistake when he when he dropped that ball. Ceedee Lamb right here look is at just this on the YouTube page. But I we're, mean, we're you didn't throw the Adam Thielen one-handed, right? I mean, Adam Thielen with the one-hand yeah. catch two, two games in a row. We don't know what's going on with Adam Thielen right now. He is on the COVID uh, reserve right. Right now. So we'll see if he plays this weekend, but it'll be the Carolina Panthers. We, we don't know who's going to be under center for the Carolina Panthers. So I, I listen, hey, it, it, it's the NFL. Anything can happen. You talked about the Rams last night. I saw them get beat by the Dolphins a couple of weeks ago. So anything can happen week to week in the NFL. And, and, and if this season isn't proving that, I don't know what is. Amen on that with 2020. And we were showing the CD Lamb catch. Now we work, I, I work radio, you work uh, with Fox uh, on the sideline in what's called the operational zone. We're allowed to walk around in the front row around the ring of the stadium. Were you on that side when Lamb made the catch or the other side? What was your vantage point? Because that one was spectacular for Dallas. Yeah, I was on the uh, the Viking side. These stadiums, it, it, does, it takes a lot longer to get from one side of the stadium to the other that, you know, when I used to just be able to walk across the field right. or through the end zone. Now I literally have to go a lot of times up into the concourse and walk <laughs> all the way around. It's strange. And so it take 15 minutes. You lose all ability to talk to your producer when you're sometimes in those concourses. You, you definitely lose the broadcast. So a lot of times I am kind of staying put on one side. There are some stadiums it's a little easier to get around. Uh, Detroit it was one that was really easy to get around, but the Vikings, it, it wasn't happening. I actually had, uh, when I was at Houston, it took me, I think, 13 minutes, and I had to do a coach's interview on one side, and then I had to run all the way around, and I barely made it in time to get to the other interview. So it's, uh, it's a different world. So I was not there for that. I did see the Adam Thielen when I wasn't in the end zone for it, but I mean, hey, you know, these it's incredible it's so they much make, fun my line is they make it look routine and we For are mere sure. mortals and you go and say how do they ellen in Thielen's case it's elevate with what the other the one hand mm -hmm. defender hanging off of you toe tap they make it look routine is the point it, shannon listen them running looks incredible like i did gassers with coach rule from from uh the panthers when he was at temple and i went we, we recorded it and i went back and watched it and i felt like i was like like just gracefully running these and i went back and looked at it and i was like that, that does not look what i felt like it looks like and i mean you watch these players the way that they run they are they are graceful. They are elite. It is incredible to watch. That's why I just love covering the NFL so much because the athleticism is, it's it's superior to anything that I've seen in my life. Incredible. It's incredible to be down there at field level. Voice of Shannon Spake with me for a few more moments on the Three Dog Thursday Turkey Day edition of the podcast. More on that specifically in a second or two. Shannon does a great job with the NFL on Fox coverage. Again, her crew working back in Minnesota again vikings and carolina panthers carolina i've seen them now a couple of times even though they were buck victories they're solid they shut out detroit last week so that'll be an interesting game because the vikings still on the fringe of the wild card trying to hang in down the stretch took a tough loss to the cowboys we'll see how that one goes speaking of dallas dallas and the washington football team uh, will play coming up on thanksgiving day uh, we're taking a look at a a video here on screen of uh, Jimmy Johnson and Troy Aikman 
two cowboy legends uh, that were in and around Thanksgiving Day, a bunch, Troy in specific. Because a, a lot of people don't remember, Shannon, that Jimmy Johnson was only there for a few years. He did win the two Super Bowls. Troy was there forever playing on Thanksgiving Day uh, for the Cowboys. Time to joke around. You have told me in the past you do not really cook. I don't know if you have any role whatsoever for Thanksgiving. I sort of have a role. I usually make the broccoli casserole, which again is pretty idiot proof because it's like frozen <laughs> broccoli, crushed up Ritz crackers in melted butter, spread with the Velveeta cheese in a casserole oh, pan, bake, and that's it. It's, not, that it's very good. hard to mess that up, <laughs> is my point. So I'm going to show the spread to the audience. We're all going to get so much food. There is the spread on the YouTube roundtable that we're looking at. Mm -hmm. What do you, what, I mean, everything looks good there. What do you have to have there? If I limited you to like two things on that for Turkey Day, and I know it's a big visual for those that are only hearing us, come find the YouTube roundtable. Is it the turkey? Is it the stuffing? Is it the green bean casserole that it looks like? It looks like, what is that? Brussels sprouts, cranberry. We got bottom left. We got apple pie, middle. We got pecan pie. Give me two. Give me, give me two. a deuce. What, what, which two off of that? The mashed potatoes okay. on the right of the yeah. screen? What are, we, what are we doing there? I'm going Brussels sprouts and pumpkin pie, baby. That's my, <laughs> that's my, not together. I'm going a full bowl of Brussels sprouts and, and pumpkin pie. Those are my two things. Those, that's it. <laughs> Let's see. I'm bigger. I am bigger on the pecan pie. Oh, yeah. That's good, too. Uh, that, if I had to have the two, and I'm going to share the screen again here for the audience. If I only oh, had I the two... Mm -hmm. besides the turkey i gotta have the stuffing bottom left and i may go pecan pie yeah um i'm not a, I'm not a huge sponge. turkey person because like for me oh. like turkey is so hit or miss right you could get like a really good piece of turkey <laughs> right that's like cooked just perfectly but if it's cooked a little too long, then you're, then, yeah. So I'm, not and then, like, and then, wait, wait, not like the scene in Christmas, in Christmas vacation where, what is it? Barbara D'Angelo brings it out with Chevy Chase and he goes yes. to carve it and it collapses. Not that dry. Not that. My uh, family's Italian. We're Italian. So we always have lasagna <laughs> at our, every, at every family function. We have lasagna or we have ziti or we have managat or we have some kind of spaghetti. So you're saying, wait, so you're saying we have lasagna at Thanksgiving, but we also have lasagna at Easter or 4th of July oh, no. or Memorial 100%. Day, whatever, Labor Day, whatever it is, it's yes, lasagna. Lasagna or, or baked ziti or managat or, um, and that's not manicotti, it's managat or something something like that and with my grandmother's gravy uh, we call it gravy not sauce and so yeah not the gravy that goes on the turkey but the right. red gravy that goes on the uh monogots. Well, listen to that <laughs> all right so we're having fun talking thanksgiving and just one more how long did the leftovers last in the steakhouse because you've got twin boys i've got twin girls are the leftovers still there friday night are they still there saturday do you even allow that? Is is the leftover uh, time frame like nothing beyond Friday, or else we're throwing? It? How does it work in the steak household? I'm just curious. Well, so my family, uh, we I had a birthday party in July, and my family came over to my house. My aunts and uncles all live in the area, so uh, everything. I, so at the end of the night, I go back and I'm like, I am gonna mess up that pasta salad that they brought. Whatever, everything is gone. They clear. I was like, there's nothing there. You left me no food. So chances are it'll be cleared out. My, my husband does not know how to eat leftovers. Like I leave for a weekend and I come back and there's like still food that he had ordered like Wednesday or Thursday. And so my kids <laughs> don't know how to eat leftovers either. I, I'm a big leftover person. I'm a big 
cold pizza in the morning from college days. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I can, I can do it. But, uh, yeah, will, I mean, there'll be some stuff left, but not a we lot. We will be eating the turkey Saturday in my household. We will maybe even be eating some version of something Sunday. Sunday's probably too late, but probably Saturday that will still be around in our house. And it's, it's for a lot of people, for millions. My 96-year-old grandfather, he, uh, he grinds up the turkey and mixes it with, like, a mayonnaise and some celery and makes, like, a turkey salad. And it's so good. I want to try it. And they don't, <laughs> and they don't put the marinara on it or anything else. Mananada. That's what we call it. I'll get this straight. Shannon Spake, a real treat to have you here again. We'll be watching you on Panthers Vikings on Fox this coming Sunday. I'll be working the Bucks and the Chiefs. The NFL football rolls on. And again, Thanksgiving triple header, including Cowboys Washington football team on Fox, depending on when they're hearing us on Thursday afternoon that traditional game. Shannon, a treat to have you. Thank you. I know you're busy. Thank you for making time with me here on the YouTube Roundtable and the podcast. Hey, girl, uh, take good care of my girl, Sarah Walsh. I, I shall. Shannon, thank you. Brian Edwards rejoins me with some football handicapping for the weekend from the NFL. That's coming up. Yes, indeed. He is back in here, ready to uh, consume, digest a lot of food but we're also consuming and digesting a lot of numbers and football and pro football and again a triple header coming on Thursday we believe again the qualifier for the the Baltimore Ravens they had two players test positive that played in last week's game with Tennessee Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins Uh, But as it stands right now at the time that we're taping Three Dog Thursday, Ravens slated to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in this matchup in Pittsburgh and play the game. You may know if that changed after we taped, but for right now, they're slated to play, and the NFL has played uh, through without any delays, really uh, any delays for the last three or four games, last three or four weekends. Uh, So that's interesting on Thanksgiving night. Dallas is the home favorite with the Washington football team. And then Houston is the road favorite against Detroit, who comes off the shutout. The the Lions shut out at Carolina uh, last week. I get the sense, Brian, as we bring you in, you don't you don't have a hankering for Detroit as home doggy, Washington road doggy, much less the Steelers, who you love, giving up the points there against Baltimore. You don't like anything for Thanksgiving Day, correct? I'll specifically say do not take the Ravens as an underdog, and you can interpret that out. <laughs> <laughs> and the Steelers get to 10-0, and 0, which is, uh, what, the eighth time in the 2000s that a team has been 10-0. and 0. Uh, Two teams were 10-0 and 0 back in 2015, the Patriots and the Panthers. That's the last time it happened. Panthers got to 14-0 that year, and, of course, New England 07 won them all. 16 for 16 and then won two playoff games. But right now, Pittsburgh 10-0, and and that's the backdrop for the matchup. And they could really deal a serious AFC playoff blow to Baltimore if they hand them another loss uh, with the Ravens offense struggling and losing the overtime game. So that's the Thursday night game. All right, so we're all three, we're staying away from all three underdogs, you and I, for Thanksgiving Day. Let's trudge on to the weekend. And on Sunday, where do you want to begin with an underdog for NFL purposes, Brian? Uh, Chargers plus five and a half at Buffalo. Uh, yeah, those California boys don't like Buffalo weather, but weather.com is accurate. What, however many, what are we, 96 hours out or something like that? <laughs> um, it, it, it's only supposed to be mid to upper 40s early in the afternoon in Buffalo. So I think the Chargers, who are in, on an 0-4 ATS slide, but that was, they got backdoored as a 10-point favorite last week. 
Um, they blew a huge lead at Denver as a three-point favorite, and, and then they lost, They didn't cover as a one-and-a-half and a, a one-point underdog. But when they've been, you know, in their five-and-a-half-point underdogs at Buffalo, uh, they could have, and I know you were there in Tampa for the Chargers game, they, they could have won that one outright as a one-and-a-half-point right. dog. They did cover. They did cover in an overtime loss. They could have easily won at New Orleans as a seven-point dog. Let me interject. Can I interject? They should have won yeah, like three or four of these games that sure. you're listing, and it's just sure. it's mind-numbing for their fans, demoralizing, yeah. that they haven't won more because – they they could they were up double figures in the second half on like four of these games that you're listing and could oh, not yeah. win them. And another one that I had not quite gotten to was the Kansas City game. It is an eight and a half point dog. They lose that one in overtime. So when they've been a dog of you know a little substance other than the one and a half and one point dog spots they've had here two of the last three weeks, they're three and zero against the spread. And I, I love how Herbert's playing. Um, so plus five and a half at Buffalo. I like that. And I also like the over, the over is hit in seven in a row for the chargers. The over is seven, two and one overall for Buffalo and four and one in its home games. And that number is 53 and a half. So chargers plus five and a half and over 53 and a half for chargers at bills are two plays I like. Interesting on that. Uh, and again, we talked with Shannon about my Buccaneers being beaten by the Rams. Uh, again, I, I'm going to talk more about the Bucks in a moment, but I want your opinion. How much do you blame uh, Brady and the Buccaneers for not being able to pull it out versus how much do you credit Jared Goff, credit Sean McVay, this, this defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley is his name, the first year, first time NFL defensive coordinator. Their defense has been tremendous, especially in the second half. We talked about it in advance of the game. They were as advertised. I saw it at, at field level. How much do you, in your opinion, credit the Rams with coming cross-country and winning that game Monday night? Uh, I think your boys got outcoached last night. I thought Arians got outcoached. Clearly, uh, Goff overcame two interceptions to throw for 376 yards and three touchdowns. And you give a lot of – an enormous amount of credit to the Rams, and I give a lot of it to their coaching staff – and uh, I thought some tweets from Dan Orlovsky, who has become one of my favorite analysts rapidly in the last year or so, uh, he was pointing out some things about Arians and some play calling that was very interesting to me that I, I found. So, yeah, uh, huge props to the Rams. Big win. Yeah, they got the win. Byron Leftwich again, the play caller. This is the first time these last two years that Arians has not been his own play caller as the head coach previously in Arizona or wherever else he's been. He's been the play caller. I don't, again, I'm, I'm going to push back not just to you, but to figuratively, nationally, to everybody else. I don't think the play calling is the problem. Again, I was there at field level. Leonard Fournette dropped three passes, two of them where he's in wide open space and it's going to be a huge gain. And those are plays that Brady has been counting on, that he could count on for years in New England, that are ending up as incompletions and zeros uh, for him. And he missed some throws down the field with guys open. And there's been some criticism from Bruce. Bruce Arians about that on his deep throws that doesn't have anything to do with the play call that that has to do with the ball is not catchable including that last fatal interception in the final two minutes Cameron Brate's kind of sort of open but he, he misread the coverage and just airmailed it to the deep safety that's not the play call that's the decision of the guy back right. there so that's that's well, uh that's fair and we'll talk more about the Bucks and the Chiefs and what is arguably the game of the weekend uh, here coming up in a couple of moments. I want to point to New Orleans. Hold Great. On, let me, let me, yeah, let go me, ahead. Let me throw something out there. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn 
caught the ball locked yep. coming out of the backfield at Vanderbilt. I don't know if he's hurt now or if he's just been he's an, healthy. inactive the last two He's a healthy inactive Maybe the last two. Rep, yeah. He will not drop those balls out in the flat. Well, let me tell you a couple things, and again, I'm very close to it. So Keyshawn Vaughn was forced in due to injury for the game with the Bears, and he fumbled in that game, took a big hit and fumbled. So there's maybe some Ah. concerns about young guy. But here's another one. You've got the veteran, LaShawn McCoy, who clearly is at the end of his career. He's not the shady McCoy of even five years ago. But he's been healthy but not seeing the field in any of these games. And so maybe they're going to go back to him, I don't know, to try to catch it some. Uh, but they've been believing in Ronald Jones and Fournette. More on the Bucks and the Chiefs in a couple of moments, but you're right. They're missing that dimension, and maybe it's Vaughn the rookie uh, that they go to. I'm looking at the Saints, who smacked around somebody's uh, Falcons wow. despite, despite <laughs> Taysom Hill. Uh, being the full-time quarterback, which is a shock. I mean, again, we taped this show. It's 2020. It's crazy. We believe that Jameis Winston, at the time we were taping the show, was going to be the quarterback. Sean Payton says, uh-uh, no, no. Contraire, Mo Freire. I'm going to play Taysom Hill for the whole game. I'm going to modify my offense, do a little more read option, have some design runs for him. Hill completes 18 of 23 in the game. He was not great throwing the ball, but he was good enough. They win the game. And so now everybody's wondering, okay, so now he's put a full game on tape. What does this mean for Denver on the road? Denver getting six points. Broncos have won a couple of games at home, including last week's impressive win, snapping Miami's five-game win streak. Am I wrong to look at the Broncos at home and say maybe it was a little bit of over-exaggeration about Taysom Hill here now on the road? What do you think? Well, I think it was a stroke of genius by Sean Payton to not play Jameis Winston because I think he would have turned the ball over and my <laughs> Falcons might have won that game. But, uh, yeah, I, no, I, 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 great job by um, by Payton. And, I, look, I'm sure it'll be cold. I haven't looked at the weather. I'm sure it'll be cold out in Denver. But uh, I think a running game plan with Taysom Hill will, will be okay. But, look, Saints are not normally a cold-weather team, so I'm not uh, – and, you know, the, a division game with the Falcons. Look, the, the Saints hate the Falcons so – I don't even hate the Saints. I just hate them because they hate us so bad. And so maybe a letdown scenario and, you know, cold weather. New Orleans doesn't like the cold weather. So I'm not going to talk you out of trying to go Denver there. Extended forecast, uh, low 40s. It is, it is in the 30s uh, midweek here for Thanksgiving, but it is low 40s for Sunday afternoon. And the Broncos again – have got a cut. You mentioned that Charger win where they came back to win it. They, uh, to win it, they won with Miami last week. They uh, they lost but covered in the in the opening. Uh, what was it Monday night doubleheader game with the Titans when they lost sixteen fourteen. So they have had some covers at home now. Three of them previously. I know the Chiefs annihilated them, and I took I took Denver. Uh, on Three Dog Thursday against the Chiefs, and the Chiefs got a pick six and a kickoff return for a touchdown there at mile high and blew them out. This ain't the Chiefs. I know the Saints are good, but it's not Mahomes being able to light them up. Denver may have something for them against the Saints. Watch out for the Broncos getting six points for Three Dog Thursday purposes. So that leaves us uh, with the Chiefs. You don't have another underdog. That leaves us with the Chiefs and the Bucks just as the matchup. So all the talk, and I'm sure it's going to continue through Black Friday, through Saturday, is Tom Brady washed up, national media, uh, you know, what's going on with him. Kansas City's going to come in and roll. Uh, they are favored. It is the first time since all the way week one, Brian Edwards, that the Bucks have been an underdog. They were an underdog against New Orleans, lost the game, didn't cover. Haven't been an underdog since. I'm loving this scenario just because everybody right now is on the Chiefs bandwagon and counting the Bucks out. 
So I, I may be accused of being biased, but I love the Buccaneers here getting the three and a half points in a must, must win in the NFC playoff chase here to bounce back at home with everybody counting Brady out. Okay, your turn. Call me crazy. Go ahead. Call me whatever you want to call me. Go. No, man, I just can't get on the right side of a Bucks game. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to be on the sidelines for this one. Or, or maybe, I mean, I would lean KC right now to just fresh in my mind what just happened last night as, as I, I kind of took the Bucks the last minute, not right. really liking it all week. But I just, uh, I can't get on the right side of a Bucks game right now. So, um, I, I don't have a strong team. Let me say. I, I, I won't be on the Bucks though. Let me say this to you. When at field level, when the Bucks got the ball down 27-24 with two and a half minutes left, two-minute warning, and a timeout left, did anybody besides Sean McVay's family believe that Tom Brady wasn't going to at least lead a field goal drive to tie the game? I mean, come on. So that, that was a shocker. And it's not unlike what we saw with Mahomes on Sunday night against the Raiders. And again, bravo to you. You had the Raiders last week on Three Dog Thursday. And I know they had a COVID situation that we didn't know about with the defense, but they still hung in. But did anybody believe Mahomes wasn't going to drive down and at least tie the game with the field goal in the same scenario against the Raiders? But instead, they got the touchdown to Travis Kelsey. It's just shocking when they don't do it, is my point, Ryan. Sure. And it didn't sure, happen for sure. the Bucks. Absolutely. No, I, I thought that Brady and Mahomes would get field goals at minimum, and I kind of thought Mahomes would get a touchdown, and he, and he did. Yeah, well, and the Chiefs are something else, and it will not be easy. First time that Mahomes has ever played in Tampa. The Chiefs only come once every eight years. Of course, they had a couple of epic playoff battles, uh, Kansas City and New England, when Brady was in New England, including the overtime win a couple of years ago. Uh, when Brady led them down the field late in the game to tie it, and then they won the toss, drove down the field, and scored the overtime touchdown to eliminate the Chiefs in the AFC title game in Kansas City. So that'll be the backdrop for Sunday. The whole country will see it. Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson will call it all over the country on CBS for Kansas City and Tampa Bay. We'll see how that one goes. Brian, we have covered a bevy of football, my friend. Tell the fans more because I know we're early in the week about getting your great information, how they find it, where they find it. Go for it. Uh, yeah, majorwager.com. Uh, I've already got my power rankings uh, in college up for week 13 and some uh, injury uh, updates as they pertain to the Florida-Kentucky game on both 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 teams. Uh, and, and you can find my picks at vegasinsider.com and brianedwardsports.com. And you can follow me on Twitter. The handle is at Vegas. B. Edwards, thanks for having me, TJ. I hope you and your listeners have a great uh, turkey Thanksgiving. My man, thanks for having me. Brian, thank you. Great stuff from you. And we look forward to everything that's going to happen with Turkey Day. And we hope that the COVID cancellations, one more disclaimer, if the cancellations are going on and you've been hearing us on the show, there's just no way for us to continue to update the show in this crazy 2020 year if games are not getting played. But we believe most of them will. Brian, great stuff. We'll see what happens in college and the NFL with the underdogs. Thanks also to Shannon Spake of Fox and Fox Sports' coverage of the NFL for being with me as well. Guys and gals, enjoy Thanksgiving. Be safe. Uh, Be safe for COVID reasons. Be safe on the roads with the travel, with anybody that's doing that. Enjoy all the football. I'm looking forward to Auburn and Alabama. Brian, I'll report back on Auburn and Alabama and the Iron Bowl as Tiki Barber and I are scheduled to work that Saturday on Compass Media's national radio coverage. Check your local listing for an affiliate to hear Tiki and me on the call of Alabama and Auburn. Number one Alabama in a revenge game there in that one. 
For now, we are done. Enjoy all the games this weekend, and thank you for being with us. Woof, woof, even on the Turkey Week on Three Dog Thursday. Bye.